Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 16 through 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept saying this for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hopes of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. So our second scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Friends, evil is real. It's real and it's present. It's something that exists all around us. We see it in our own lives. We see it throughout our culture and indeed throughout the entire world. This is what we talked about last week when we started having a conversation about evil. And it's something that we know to be true. There is a battle that's raging. A fight that's ongoing between good and evil. And for us as Christians, we profess not only that Jesus will win that battle, that good will prevail, we profess that Christ has already won. That on that first Easter morning when Jesus 
rose from the dead and the apostles found the tomb left empty, that death had been conquered, that Christ was victorious, and that we had been set free from the powers of sin and, yes, from death as well. We know that this is true. It's just not yet been fully realized. But this leaves us as Christians in a challenging position. Because we know that evil is real. And we say that Christ is victorious. And yet it is so much easier to see the evil. All you have to do is turn on the news and watch stories of war, of violence, of persecution around the world, of crime, both distant and nearby. And when you do that, it's easy to see that evil is present. And it can be hard to see where the good is. When you turn on the news and you hear the horrors that have happened to a small child not far from home, you can know that evil is real. And it can be hard to see the good. And for us as Christians, we look at these things and we have to wonder, where is the victory in that? Where can we find victory in these horrible stories? these terrible things that are happening all around. Friends, we know that Jesus has defeated death, and that is the source of victory. That is the victory. We know the ending to the story. That's the victory of it. But for now, in the present day, as we look around, you don't have to look hard to know that there are still spiritual forces of evil and wickedness at work. It's what we talked about last week, and it's what we're talking about again this week too. If you'll recall last week, we didn't only talk about the fact that evil exists, but we said that as with everything, before we can start to think about how to mend the large-scale problems, we have to think about the individual problems as well. It's just like Jesus told us that before we can address the dust in our neighbor's eye, we have to deal with the plank in our own eye. Before we can make an impact beyond ourselves, we have to make an impact within ourselves too. Because the truth is, when you watch these stories behind every terrible thing, there are places where the evil that runs throughout the world has taken root in individual people and begun to sprout and to begun to bear fruit. And so when we want to think about how to help other people to stand firm against that, we have to first know how we can stand firm ourselves, how we can, as we said last week, resist evil. And what we said was that there is a way that we can do that. That that God has given us tools to resist these forces in our lives. 
God has given us the gift of prayer, of coming together as his people in worship. He's given us the truth in Scripture. And he's made it possible for us to build communities where we share our lives with each other, where we support one another and build these communities of faith around and upon that eternal rock that is the faithfulness of God and the love of Jesus Christ. And we know that when we build our communities on that, that we will have a firm foundation, an unshakable foundation. And we can affirm with full confidence the knowledge that the gates of hell will not prevail over this, that we will not be overcome because Christ is victorious. But we're not just called to a private resistance. We're called to a full-on rejection of evil. Remember, the apostles didn't just avoid being possessed themselves. Everywhere that they went, when they saw a place where evil had arisen, where a person had found that uh, those spiritual forces took root in their lives, they cast that out. First, in our scripture reading this morning, we see Paul casting out a demon. This is kind of an odd story because unlike the other times that we see demons driven out, this one's not violent. This one's not causing fits. It's not disrupting the community. This is a demon or spirit that was upon this girl that was profitable. It was showing her the future so that she could make a profit for her owners. And what's more than just that, she was following the apostles around and declaring something that was true, that these are servants of the Most High God who will tell you the way to salvation. By all accounts, this should have been a good thing. And yet a profitable affliction is still an affliction. And this was still a girl who had a spirit that had taken over her. And so for as profitable as it was, it was also still evil. And so Paul cast it out, knowing full well that this was going to anger her owners. And they dragged them, not just Paul, but all of the apostles with him, into the center of town and immediately put them on trial. And we see another example in our second scripture reading of how we can reject the forces of evil. But this one's a little bit stranger. This one's a little bit quieter in nature. When we think of battle, when we think of this war that's going on between the spiritual forces of good and evil, it's easy to think that if we're going to stand with good, we should be casting out demons. We should be standing with power and doing that kind of work. That feels like action. But in this second scripture reading that we had, we find something that's a little bit less natural, that feels a little bit less like fighting a battle. 
Because Paul says that of all things, of all of the things that we can do, joy, patience, and faith are our strongest tools against evil. That's strange. That doesn't feel quite like we're doing something in the same way that casting out demons does. It doesn't feel valiant. It doesn't feel righteous in the same sort of way. And yet, there's real power in these things. For us to be joyful in hope is to know that our hope is built on the stable foundation, the unshakable foundation of the unfailing love of Jesus Christ. And to have hope in the power of the resurrection. To remember that we already know the ending. We know that the victory has been won, even if it hasn't been fully realized. To look towards that and have joy, even in the worst of times. For us to be patient in affliction. Paul knew affliction. This is a man who was constantly imprisoned as he spread the gospel. Everywhere he went, he seemed to get thrown in jail. He knew what it was like to be tormented. And he knew, further, what it was like to experience traumas. This is a guy who experienced several shipwrecks in his life. Most of us probably won't experience even one. And yet here is Paul, having lived through all of these things, telling us to be patient in affliction. Even if we don't endure shipwrecks, we still experience trials and traumas throughout our lives. We know affliction. Yet the truth in this is that evil wins only when it breaks down the righteous. So the most powerful way that we can stand against it is to be patient and to know that God will prevail at the end. To let that be our foundation so that we can continue to stand firm. And for us to be faithful in prayer. Friends, if I could leave this church with one message at the end of it all. If I could summarize my, my goals and my desires in ministry, the things that I hope most to tell other people, it's this, that they need prayer, that there is power in prayer, and that we should be praying. Friends, pray constantly. Pray alone and pray together. Pray for the sick and pray for the grieving. Whatever you're doing, just pray because Scripture tells us that the prayers of the righteous are powerful things. And if you can stay joyful and patient and faithful, then you will be a force to be reckoned with. These things set the baseline for the harder part of this task, the active part. That is, that every Christian action should be rooted in love. That's something that's only possible with joy and patience and faith. You know, I wrote this 
to say that every Christian action should be rooted in love, but I think that a better way of saying it, something that's perhaps more true, is that every Christian action is rooted in love. Because we know what Scripture tells us, which is that God is love. And so if our actions are not rooted in love, then they're not rooted in Christ, and they're not showing God to the world. And so I say again, every Christian action is rooted in love. And serving God means loving all people, even those who hate you, even those who persecute you, even those in whom these forces of evil have taken root. Why would we do this? Why would we say that we have to love even those who stand against us? I ask you this question. If you're trying to put out a fire, would you try to extinguish it by throwing more gasoline on it? You know the saying, two wrongs don't make a right? That's exactly what's happening here too. Because it might feel good to get revenge. It might be nice to get even with someone who's wronged you, but it does nothing to solve the root problem, which is that evil exists. If you repay evil with evil, all you've done is double the amount of evil that's there. Friends, the world is on fire and the enemy thrives in the heat. If you want to take a stand for good, if you want to take a stand for righteousness, then you've got to do something different. You have to do something different from what the world is telling you. You've got to love because that is the only way that we can overcome evil. That means speaking blessings in a world of criticism. It means sharing in each other's lives in a world of isolation. It means being harmonious in a world of conflict and humble in a world of pride. Paul tells us to do what is right and to do it publicly. And don't even bother with revenge. He says, leave it to God. And God will bring something better than vengeance. He'll bring righteousness. You, don't want, or you want to know how to overcome evil. The battle is won by showing grace to the lost because Christ is victorious and Christ will set all things right. And when we show grace to the lost, when we love those who stand against us, who hate us, those who bring persecution into the world, when we show love to them, then what we're doing is showing them that there is a way to redemption, that there is another way that leads to life. When we show others the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we demonstrate and declare it to the people around us, then what we're doing is we are showing them how they too can build a foundation that's so strong that evil will never be able to take root. And friends, that is where we can see victory. Thanks be to God. Amen.